The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. We want to welcome you to the Identity Matters podcast. Within this podcast, we do exactly that, is we cover the identity issues related to a true, authentic, born-again, indwelt believer. Hi, my name is Dr. Finney, and I will be your host today. We want to welcome each of our listeners to the Identity Matters podcast. Hi, my name is Dr. Finney, and I will be your host and speaker today. We've been going through a wonderful series called The Abiding Life in Christ. Now, up to today, we have been discussing ideas, the principles, and the spiritual doctrines behind what really does it mean to abide in Christ. Now, one of the most common ideologies that you hear spoken of, and that is abiding in Christ either becomes a law performance-based thing, and that is every day I get up and I have my devotions. So survey-wise, how many here locally? And those of you who are online on the podcast, you know what to do. That's that 602 thing. But if we got a few new podcast listeners, I take direct texts from people at 602-292-2982. Those of you who are listening to the podcast on your smartphone, laptop, or desktop, you'll see a tab there that says Bible. If you click on that, it will open to the passage that we're teaching on today. Also, there's a PDF there, your bottom left corner, And if you open that PDF, you'll literally get to see my preaching notes. So feel free to do that. But most of the time, the ideologies that people use with the abiding life in Christ is based on performance. So therefore, I get up every single day. I have my devotions. So how many of you podcast listeners or people here locally think devotions is important? Just raise your hand. Yes, of course it is. How many think that when you pray, you should close your eyes? That's a good one. How many of you fold your hands? You know, you put one finger in between each of the other fingers and you you fold your hands to pray. If you go online, I researched it again yesterday just to double check. So I did a pictorial research on one of the leading search engines and just typed in praying because I wanted to see the graphic images that popped up. Endless, endless, 413,000 pictures. And most of those pictures were people either putting their hands together like this and praying with their eyes closed. The... Generation we just came from, that'd be my mom and dad, my grandpa and grandma. They had their hands like this. Now that was the holy way when you just put your palms together with your fingers pointed toward heaven. There was a popular thing in my grandparents' generation is you never lifted your head when praying. 
So it wasn't this. The head had to come down. So that's where we got bowing our heads in prayer. Then there are others that have these daily rituals where they have to listen to worship music or they don't have a good day or they feel oppressed or blah, blah, blah. There, there's just a very, very long list of these normal, natural, neutral things that come with the Christian life that we have put into our daily lives from praying to making sure you pray before you have a meal, making sure you pray before you go to sleep. And, you know, I've even heard some parents use, wrote prayers like, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And they're using that because Jesus was actually answering this question for his disciples in regard to when they were asking, well, how do we pray then? Jesus had already addressed the issue of religious praying. Out comes this prayer. (laughs) And what do we do with it? We stuck it in the middle of the church service. We stuck it at the end of the service. Or someone kicks it in in the middle of a prayer group says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, and everyone just joins in. Because it is the number one prayer that people know all over the world. That is not what Jesus was communicating. He was communicating to the disciples the meat of this prayer. And we just went, well, I don't get the meat part, so let's cut and paste her into the church. Then we started adding other things like dipping our hands in water and sticking it on our foreheads before we get into the church. And then we added this reciting, this liturgical reciting to church services. And no, the Catholics are not the only one guilty of this. The whole Reformation Reformed Church people from Lutherans all the way to First Reformed Church of Sin City, all of them started making use of this liturgical praying and formation that took place within the service. Then we added the most colorful thing that makes me sick to my stomach, and that is that only pastors who have certification and degrees in theology can become pastors. Remember when that was popular? I had a pastor from Pakistan ask me yesterday, he said, before I make the decision of joining the online school, I need to know if you're going to be able to give me a DD degree. And I said, no, I'm not. This isn't about giving you degrees. He wanted his doctorate degree in divinity. And I'm going, no, you need to be equipped as a teacher of teaching the identity truths in Christ. But yes, you can use these credits to any other institution you want because they'll probably give you life experience credits. But see, that is how our people are thinking today. Education equals transformation. It got into the church because of the tree of knowledge. And now you can't be a professor, pastor, teacher, communicator, really, and be believed unless they see the letters after your name. 
These are religious things that have been built into our present day church. Now I want to go back and look at the life of Stephen for a few minutes. Most Christians, followers are indwelt, makes no difference to me at this point. But most Christians actually know that Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. That is exactly how every single translation I looked at said it. Thank God even the NIV didn't take this out. But Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, literally provokes murderers as he would speak. Now these murderers were really these religious people that were standing there listening to his final sermon. And believe me, he preached a long one. They didn't cut him off in 45 minutes because they had to get home to their excuses. When God was done speaking, God's done speaking. The fact that the church and the present day believers are putting God in a time clock that we can monitor how long we're going to let the Holy Spirit speak is blasphemy. We are cutting the Holy Spirit off when we decide the Holy Spirit needs to be cut off. What has happened to us? What if God's punchline isn't till the end? Now God can still accomplish his mission in 15 minutes or whether it's an hour and 15 minutes, but we as a church have completely changed into a religious group of followers. The writer of the book of Acts proceeds to give the narrative of Stephen's life after salvation. There's very little said about before he got saved. He was the first of the seven deacons to advance the first generation church. His faith, miracles, divine overflow of the Holy Spirit shook the foundation of all those who heard him. All those who heard him, they only have two choices. The select few that are standing there going, this guy makes sense, and not only does this guy make sense, there's something coming out of this man that I have never experienced before. This man truly is filled with the Holy Spirit. Then there's other religious people standing around going, I wish this guy would shut up. And that act in a human mind provokes murder. Murder is not putting a knife in my back. That's just one method. The greatest form of murder, you look it up in the Greek and Hebrew as well, is to silence someone. So if it's in your marriage, you can silence a marriage partner by divorcing them. Silence them. Get out of my life. So these people standing around listening to Stephen, the majority of them were wanting to silence him. Right? The best way to do that is to grab a rock. This guy went over the ten minutes the council gave him permission to speak. And that's why Stephen was known for continuing to communicate to the Lord until the breath was gone. 
there was literally a vision that he saw. He saw Jesus Christ at the right hand of God. He was just preaching out the word and it didn't matter if they were going to stone him to death or if there were going to be salvations at this point. He was so filled up with the Holy Spirit that it opened. God just pulled the curtain open as he was still alive, having rocks thrown at him. God pulls the curtain open and says, Look, Stephen, this isn't about them. This isn't about you. This is about my son as he sits on my right hand. Who? What believer do you know, listener, that lives like Stephen? Stephen's eloquent, which was really the words of the Holy Spirit, but his very powerfully organized words of divine revelation was this wisdom that was coming from the throne of God. That's why the filling of the Spirit, that this wisdom that literally sits on the throne of God, the holy everlasting knowledge of God himself is now inside this human brain of Stephen. And he was releasing this divine, this is how the scriptures refer to it as, divine wisdom. These holy words, this divine wisdom, this pure knowledge of the holy is just pouring out of Stephen's mouth. And if you look in scripture, what you're going to find, this is just a simple fact, is that it is not the unbelievers known in the scriptures and, and even today, it is not the unbelievers who are known for murdering profound teachers and prophets of God. It's the religious ones. Was that not the case with Jesus? I mean, the government leader was literally trying to wash his hands of of this decision and tried to put it onto the religious leaders because it's religious people that murder. They are so incredibly immovable in their pre-existing and their pre-training that when they hear these profound divine words of wisdom coming out of someone, they're saying, I know that I know that that person didn't get that in the seminary. I know that I know. They haven't been reading the same books I've been reading. To be able to check off that book before they get their degree in bookology. You see what's happening here? Jesus was a different cut. The stuff that was coming out of his mouth was not found in the seminaries. Was not found in the religious teachings. He is breaking all the laws of our structural religious church today. He needs to be shut up. Let's murder him. It was the religious people that murdered him. 
It was the religious people that murdered Stephen. It was the religious people that murdered Paul. It is the religious people that martyred every single disciple outside of John. It was the religious people. You religious people that are listening to me right now, there's probably murder in your heart. Murder doesn't mean I want to take a gun and go to Finney's house and shoot him. Murder means you want to shut him up. Because he's messing or she's messing with your life that is convenient, that is religious. You're having your devotions, you listen to, you click on your worship music, you fold your hands when you pray, you close your eyes when you pray, you have integrated all of these religious things inside your little tiny brain that God himself does not acknowledge as holy expression. I oftentimes wonder if God chuckles a little bit when he sees us fold our hands and hold them close to our heart when we pray. I wonder if he chuckles a little bit going, they just don't understand, just just talk to me. Don't write me a letter, dear father, blah, 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 in Jesus' name. I mean, seriously guys, stay with me on this. If every time my wife decided to talk to me, she pulls out a piece of paper and I'm talking to her, just talking to her. And she goes, wait, honey, dear Stephen, I hear you right now, but I am. And she goes on to this long letter and then she goes, in the name of Jane Finney, hands it to me. Stupid is is as stupid does. That is beyond a religious activity. It is stupid. It's not how you talk to people. Dear Bobby, I tell you this day that I am your friend and I like you. In the name of Stephen Finney. May even put my address on there. It's a religious activity instead of just talking. Because when I talk to the Lord, I purposely put silence in there. And something very profoundly unusual happens. He, he talks back. And I think these words are so important that I write them down. So when the, these average Christ followers who call themselves indwelt Christians say, well, I've just never heard God like that. They go on a different list. If you're not hearing God, you might want to evaluate, why not? Now that doesn't mean that every person who's not hearing and writing down what God is telling them is a true unbeliever, but... I'm just saying it might be wise to have that talk with the Lord first. Murder is not knives and guns. The Greek does not say that, nor does the Hebrew. Murder is terminating, shutting up, cutting off relationship. That's murder. 
So when we send a text to someone today and don't get responses, it's murder. Unless you can't. That comes under a different category. If someone writes me a letter and I don't respond, that's murder. Do you understand that? You're not giving the person on the other end the satisfaction of them saying, I got uh, Steve's letter. Hey, got your letter, just wanted you to know, and, and I'm going to write more later. So I have a standard in my social networks now, and I have a standard in my emails and whatever. Please reply with, got it. Because we're living in a culture today where we're so digitized and dumbed down and lethargic that we don't have common sense to say, thank you for your text today. Thank you for your email today. Thank you for the time you spent in that letter to me. I don't agree with any of it, but thank you. I go, awesome. They don't like me. But we don't do that. We lie to each other with lethargy. And our heads are stuck in this lethargic existence to the point that we don't even care for fronted that we're lethargic. There's an apostasy on the other side of that lie. And I think we're going to have to talk about it. Acts 7.51 says, You men who are stiff-necked, and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. We already know that generation prepares the next generation for a double impact of the deception of the generation before. So that's why time is really important. Generations are important to God. And that's why in scriptures he says, you as your fathers, we probably don't even know the numbers that God references the sins of the fathers in the Old or New Testament. It's endless. And here it's being addressed again. He's saying, because you're so stiff-necked, stiff-necked. In the Greek in that passage, it's pretty basic. It is hard-napped or hard-headed, obstinate, which comes from stubbornness and witchcraft. I would doubt if you walked up to your average lethargic Christian and said, you're, you're practicing witchcraft. Withholding of information is witchcraft. As my old boss said, the, the silent people are the most controlling people on the face of the earth. Because you don't know what they're thinking. You don't know how to guide them and direct them. They won't let you guide them and direct them. Their silence is rebellion, but their silence gives the appearance of being nice people. So that's why people pleasers are the most dangerous people. Because you don't know what really is going on. 602-292-2982. Silent people are dangerous to the body of Christ. Because you don't know what's going on in their head and life. So, of course, when you send them a text, you're going to get nothing back. Their silence is propagating a lying lifestyle, and there's no way to manage them. See, if Jane said something to me, and I knew it was not of the scriptures, then I can look right at her and address her in the fact that that's not in the scriptures. 
And if she goes into this hard-napped or hard-headed, obstinate mode, that's her problem. She's going to deal with that with God. I'm just telling you, honey, that isn't in the Word of God. See, I can admonish, I can correct, I can, I can put the truth out there. How the person reacts, there's nothing we can do about it. So preacher, teacher, do not submit to their lethargy. Because the church as a whole will go lethargic if it hasn't already. Because the leaders are following the way their people respond. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.